Oh, we love magazines. Well, we used to love magazines. Now, it's almost a dead concept. Uh, I recently was in a waiting room, and it's like, what, AARP magazines and a National Geographic? The, the magazine has died a death, and they used to be such, such a thing. Entertainment Weekly, but let's let's go way back to like when there was a little PQ River for just a moment. Uh, it's it is the Overnightscape Central, by the way. And this week, it's another holiday weekend, which means it looks pretty bleak. I mean, Frank Frank must have recorded something. We'll hear straight out of Italy to be that devoted and appreciated. Frank Edward Nora, who isn't, no matter what, he isn't, he, he took time away from a European vacation and what, Venice, to record an overnight Scape Central segment about magazines. And yeah, it's a holiday weekend, and that is death. That is just death for the overnight Scape Central when these holidays happen. And I understand, I, I believe me, I know that recording some segment for some cockamamie overnightscape internet radio show just doesn't take priority over hanging out with people, barbecues, festivities, perhaps there are guests in the house, perhaps you're a guest in somebody else's house, and no, I, I, it doesn't, it's just, hey, these things happen and we keep going because the Overnightscape Central is like that. And indeed, next week, if you wish to talk about magazines, you will and you can because we do the follow-up thing. And uh, at the end of the show, I will go over all the instructions just in case you are new and if you are, new to the Overnightscape Central on this episode. Welcome to a show where just about, in fact, anybody can participate, have their opinion uh, put out here, and we'll do it. We are here to encourage you to participate and become part of the Overnightscape Underground family and into that permanent onsug that anthropologists and sociologists of the future will have access to that they can just go to archive.org and it'll all be there and the magazine the magazine the book frank's dream of a radio station in a book and it's all year and uh, yeah i'm brett the appreciator often known as pq river and i'm here to present this episode and yes magazines when i was a kid they were it was some golden age probably not the total golden age because that was probably what the 1920s to 1940s but in the 1960s we had things like life magazine this huge picture magazine that you didn't even have to read you could sit there and just look at pictures and maybe read a couple of captions and it would and newsweek well i guess we still have newsweek Time Magazine. Is there still a Time Magazine in print? Probably. Somewhere. There has to be that. But Popular Science. 
where they would just have all these crazy future inventions and ideas and science. And it was mostly inventions and popular mechanics and all these projects you could do at home. And, and the children's magazines, there were highlights for children, which every dentist's office and doctor's office probably, at least in the part of the United States I grew up in, Jack and Jill magazine, the Golden magazine, which was a favorite because they had just such great illustrated stories. And yeah, as a kid, I, I was reticent to read any book that wasn't full of illustrations. It was a hard time for me when I was, what, probably nine or ten years old to learn to read books that didn't have pictures. But that's a whole other thing. We're talking about magazines and the golden age of magazines. And like I say, but there was Life magazine. There was Look magazine. There was Collier's magazine. There were these big, giant magazines. The Saturday Evening Post, which was a little bit conservative and stayed. And the Norman Rockwell covers, which still persisted into the 1960s. I wasn't so much into that because there were a lot of words in between that. But like Life magazine and the lesser known but equally cool in the time look magazines. And these things printed and made so much from advertising. You could subscribe to these things for like pennies a week. And many people did. And I remember when these magazines went out of business, they had to pay back people for these lifetime subscriptions they pay. It was really a remarkable time. And I guess paper now costs a ton. I mean, even comic books, which are technically magazines, are dying a death. And I've talked about this over and over on various podcasts. What was 12 cents for about 25 pages of great comics in the golden age of my youth, the price didn't even go up to 15 cents until I was probably, what, 13 or 14? It was 12 cents, and it had just gone up from 10 cents when I started reading them. For 25 pages of quality, usually brand new comics, and now people pay five, or they charge five bucks. And I guess some people, probably collectors, still pay that. And I don't even know that they read them anymore. They put them in these slabs and stow them away. And yes, someday, maybe somebody will feel that they are worth more than $5. But I would say 90% of these things, they're worthless for all intents and purposes, at least to me. I mean, other, the whole business of collectibles is a whole other thing that it may be part of what has made our economy just so messed up. I mean, yes, there are rare comics from the 40s and the 50s, but you cannot convince me that any comic book ever, including that action number one, that fabled first appearance of Superman, is worth hundreds of thousands of dollars? It's not, it just isn't. Shame on anybody who participates 
in appreciating the value of these, I mean, they're wonderful magazines, but really, really now, uh, especially in the age of digital stuff, that people will still pay that much. And I've said, yes, the original artwork, what little is left because most of the artwork from any time before 1970 even is just gone, sent away, thrown out. A lot of the companies kept it. I don't know why in case they had to print from it again and they stowed it in warehouses and it was slowly pilfered or given away or sent away and unappreciated as art until, yeah, 60s, 70s, these things gained a cachet, probably in the pop art era. And and now they're not there. But yeah, you got a page of artwork from the original first issue of Superman. Yeah, that might be worth a couple hundred thousand dollars. But no, it, it drives me nuts. And I could rant and rage. But we're talking about magazines here. And uh, it's just Frank Edward Nora and I, as far as I know, although I will check my inbox before we part company today and I'm just driveling on and it's being the, a complaining PQ River so let's hand the floor over to Frank Edward Nora and uh, we've talked about magazines before but this time it's a different time it's well let's hear what Frank Edward Nora has to say is this a magazine stand it looks like it maybe it used to be but they're just selling souvenirs now including weird clown masks, reminiscent of Bozo the Clown. Weird. Hotel American. Oh, yeah, I'm here in uh, Venice, Italy. Hello, Central. I haven't really seen many magazines on my trip. There was one magazine stand I saw down in uh, Bari, much to the south of here. It has some Italian magazines, but generally not seeing many. Though I do know that magazines are still popular to some degree, but uh, in the past, of course, magazines were so, so important. They were sort of like the internet before the internet, right? You, a magazine had so much uh, information in the form of text and uh, images and the graphic design and uh, something you can spend such a lot of time with, especially when you're sitting on the toilet. Somehow magazines are great companions uh, for that experience, though, of course, the phone has somewhat taken that uh, that duty, no pun intended. Uh, yeah, I, we still do get a few magazines. Uh, I still get a, this magazine called Shindig. Shindig with an exclamation mark. Which way should I go? <laughs> I don't know. Let me go down here. This looks like a good area to go to. Yeah, these are these uh, walkways. There's no cars or anything. Buildings on either side, about four or five stories tall on either side, and very maze-like, so you just wander around. I love kind of wandering around these kind of places. Yeah, Shindig is a great magazine. I started getting it at Barnes & Noble, and they still stock it there, actually. It's funny, I actually went to Barnes & Noble a few days before we left for our trip to see if they had any magazines I could bring with me. Nothing really caught my eye, though. Uh, nothing, But they still have a pretty big magazine section. Like three big racks with two sides. So hundreds of different magazines. I remember uh, during the pandemic, uh, they had uh, the, they, the, the magazine stopped uh, 
delivering um, new new magazines, and they there was a rumor they were going that so every time I went there, they just had the same magazines from like whatever from March of 2020, and uh, sorry, it's kind of a weird situation here. Yeah, this is very quiet little road here, and I was walking right behind someone that's walking there, and I felt weird recording. I want to give some distance. Anyway, yeah, they were saying that um, online that like like they were never going to get any more magazines. The pandemic was going to ruin the magazine business, and, and eventually they started getting new magazines, and they kept the magazine thing. It was weird. Those yeah, those early days of the pandemic were very strange, very strange indeed. Yeah, I used to love going there just to grab a couple magazines. I'll get like a retro, retro fan from Tomorrow's Publishing. Kind of, uh, you know, for uh, pop culture from 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, I think, yeah. Mostly mostly 60s and 70s, though. That's a good magazine. Sometimes the video game magazines like Edge, they're still publishing that. It's kind of a what you might consider a higher-end uh, video game magazine. Should I go over here? <laughs> I don't know. That doesn't look like it goes anywhere. There's been a few board game magazines but I haven't really seen a lot lately. One of my favorite magazines for many years was Wired Magazine. And, uh, where the heck am I going? Uh, I'll go down to the right here. See, there's people that do actually live here. Ooh, it looks like a church over here. Yeah, Wired was a great magazine. It sort of started off in, I think it started around 93. And it was sort of, uh, I think took some inspiration from this kind of, uh, what's the right way, a techno-cultural perspective uh, from the early 90s. There was a, a magazine called Reali Reality Hackers. And I think I still do have a physical copy of it that I got back then. Reality Hackers. Oh, there's some benches here. Um, let me sit down here. And uh, then, it, then it, I think the same folks uh, made, turned it into Mondo 2000. Maybe it was called Mondo first and Mondo 2000. That one for a while, a few years. You can find a lot of that stuff on the Internet Archive, though. <laughs> for some reason, everything gets, is getting deleted on there. If you see something you like on the Internet Archive, just download it, please. It's, I, I've run into the same thing. Because it may be there one day and gone the next day. But they have a lot of magazines. Yeah, talking about... Ma well, we'll get back to that in a second, but... Talking about magazines... Uh, on the Internet Archive, they have a, an area called the Magazine Rack. And they have the Contribution Index. You used to be able to just uh, view it by uh, date uploaded, but they don't really have that anymore. You have to find the contribution index and then view it by date archived. And you will find uh, every day there's like hundreds of magazines uploaded, and I just love browsing through them. That's one of my favorite things to do. Actually, I could probably do it right now, even though I'm here in Venice. We can uh, check it out. Hold on. Let me see if I can bring it up. Yeah, here we go. A bunch of issues of Rosca Cielos, because a lot of them are not in English. I have no idea what that is, like a music magazine. In fact, it looks like someone uploaded a ton of these. CNBC-E, 
Signal from 1944, Argentinian Wonder Woman, Mad Magazine from 1997, Funk Chow from 1937, O Magazine from 2020. This is just recently, Locus, is that like a science, I don't know if it's science fiction magazine. DU from 1948, Paranormal Underground, August 2023, wow, that's fairly uh, contemporary. And a bunch of the same ones. Oh, oh, this is, I like the Japanese magazines. OPC, a computer magazine from 1990. Blue Book from 1926. Wow, that, that would even be in the, the public domain, I believe now. Uh, Thrilling Stories of the West. Letras Salvajes. More OPC, Mad. Here's Entertainment Weekly from 2019. There you go. Architecture und Kultiviertes Wohnen, 1963. Wow, architecture from 63. Toy Fair magazine from 1998. So you get the idea. I recommend going here. It's just the, just look for uh, Internet Archive, Magazine Rack, Magazine Contribution Index. One of those combinations you'll you'll get there. Yeah. So like why? So like those magazines I was talking about, like uh, Reality Hackers and Mondo 2000, really were about sort of fringe culture. Uh, and how it related to technology specifically and what people were doing with computers. Techno-shamanism was a phrase that was bandied about at that time. Um, so Wired was a much more mainstream magazine, but it really had that kind of DNA. Especially in the early days, they had very kind of uh, extreme typography, really sort of pushing the boundaries of typography with all the new fonts and all these crazy layouts. And uh, they would talk about, uh, you know, computer stuff, but also cultural stuff. It was actually uh, really interesting. I remember one of my favorite ones was the cover that had uh, the guys from Rocket Science Games. And it was going to be... I I do find this uh, fascinating, this idea that, you know, there's something that's really hyped that's supposed to be the next big thing. But then it it ultimately just crashes and burns. So it's kind of interesting to see the, the period of hype. Wow. Some uh, dumpsters or something, or large bins rolling along here. Tiene Venezia Pulita. Keep Venice tidy, maybe? I don't know. Um, yeah, Rocket Science Games was uh, supposed to be the the merging of Silicon Valley and Hollywood, or, or Sillywood as they were calling it, to the live action uh, video in games, which was just beginning to be possible given the computers and video game systems that were coming out. Um, Sega CD, for example. I mean, you know, the video was something that you needed a huge amount of storage for. So uh, Sega CD that had a compact disc, which could store, what, at the time, 650 or 700 megabytes. You could put some very heavily compressed and very short videos in there. And that was also starting to happen, I think, on, you know, on the home computers. They were slowly getting... Uh, that capacity and uh, then newer systems like the, the 3DO which was wow that was a I remember it cost $800 at the time in what like 93 that was like almost like 1500 1400 I don't know what the exact uh, conversion but I just remember the day it came out I could not even begin to afford it I remember I went to a store I think I went to Nobody Beats the Wiz and actually tried out one of the games uh I don't think it was the racing game. I think it was more the, the a space game. Maybe it was Crash and Burn, the racing game. It just 
it also wasn't that great, so I couldn't see shelling out $800 for the system. But yeah, so uh, Rocket Science Games made games like uh, the Space Trucking game, uh, Lodestar, The Legend of Tully Bodine, I think that was what it was called. And uh, I think Sewer Shark and stuff, and uh, the games just weren't very good. They were perhaps technically, at the time, technically impressive, but not uh, actually very, uh, not very, uh, not very fun to play. So that so Wired magazine, I kept getting it, and in fact, I sort of prided myself on having had every single issue of it up till a certain point. Uh, I, I remember seeing it at a newsstand and buying it immediately. The earlier issues were a weird, almost square format, and then they changed the size to be more normal. Leaves blowing. I guess it is the fall now. There's like fallen leaves blowing across this little courtyard here. I'm by uh, Rio Terra Jesuati. Looks like a church. And then Campo es Agnese Sestiere di Dorsoduro. Yes, this little island is called Dorsoduro. Anyway, there's some uh, little vendors set up over there. Yeah, I mean, one thing about Venice, I'm, I'm sure is very well known. It just seems like a lot of, uh, you know, junk, selling junky stuff to tourists and stuff. And I don't know, it's a whole thing. But, but the place itself is pretty amazing. And this area is, is really, it's not like super crowded right now. Because it is an actual city that people live in. And, and I'm a visitor to that city. It's not just for tourists. It's not like a Disneyland. Anyway, <laughs> over the years, Wired Magazine, I think... Uh, it stayed good for a, quite a long time, and, and finally, I think a few years ago, it just started to nosedive in quality. Finally, I canceled my subscription a couple of years ago, but then we briefly started getting it again because uh, one magazine we subscribed to was Entertainment Weekly, which was weekly for a long time. That was one of the great magazines, a great browsing magazine. They just had all these reviews of all different forms of entertainment. They had articles, interviews. It was a great magazine, and uh, but then it started being done every two weeks, so it wasn't weekly anymore. They kept the name, and then it was monthly for a long time, even though they maintained the name Entertainment Weekly. It was still it was monthly, and we stayed subscribed to the bitter end. And uh, yeah, it was just last year, I believe, they uh, ended the print edition, though they still have some sort of online or digital edition. I have not sought that out. <laughs> I mean, it, that's actually kind of interesting. Why wouldn't I see, seek it out? It just it it. It only made sense, like, in physical magazine form. Like, all that other information I can get on other sources online. I never even, yeah, like I said, I never even thought to. It, it's not like it was something I, it was something that if it was there, it was great to read. But if it wasn't there, you didn't worry about it. You know, that kind of thing. So since uh, we were subscribed to it, whatever subscription service uh, switched us over to whatever the, the last magazine we subscribed to was, which was Wired. So we started getting it again. And then I think we stopped getting it. I think they're still publishing it. But I have zero interest in it. It, it has just... It is, uh, to call it a shadow of its former self is generous. It is not even a shadow of its former self. It is just garbage now, in my opinion. There's nothing good about it anymore. Of course, growing up, uh, this magazine, Games Magazine, uh, which... Uh, it's The name of it, Games, kind of makes it hard to search for, but someone has been uploading almost every single copy of it, every single issue of it, to uh, the Internet Archive. Uh, that was a great, great magazine. They had all of these uh, puzzles and articles and game reviews, and then every holiday season they had the Games 100, and especially in uh, like 80, 81, 82, that those issues were like iconic in my mind. How they they uh, they just included so many uh, amazing magazine, uh, not magazine. Sorry, sorry, I'm a little bit out of it because uh, 
we've been having a lot of uh, it's obviously the, the, this trip has been uh, fantastic but I'm a little out of it of course you can hear all of my trip on the Overnightscape the Italia series I've, I just released Italia 2 that means Italia, Italia Italy 2 this morning so anyway um, yeah so Games Magazine was amazing plus there were in the middle there was glossy color then in the middle there was a black and white newsprint section which had like crossword puzzles and stuff they're still uh, they're still publishing it to some degree it's called Games the World of Puzzles or something it's still going but again it's a shadow of its former self that seems to be a pattern and of course uh, as I did an episode about fairly recently Starlog Magazine was the premier magazine uh, for us to learn about everything science fiction and fantasy related TV, movies, comic books, everything uh, Starlog was so huge for us and we did subscribe maybe, maybe my brother subscribed but of course it didn't matter I could read all the issues too and we just found a ton of them in the basement and uh, that's why I did an episode of the Overnight Escape recently called Moldy Starlogs because uh, they were all moldy and smelly whatever that mildew or whatever it is that grows in newsprint some sort of creature some sort of fungus or microorganism can live in the uh, the newsprint paper which or no not even the newsprint the yeah I mean the, the glossy paper but the paper that was once biological and once a tree that was cut down and chopped up and mulched etc you know what I'm saying and uh, somehow microorganisms can thrive on that I don't know it doesn't really make any sense but I guess they do so I was talking about that on the show yeah those were so so important and so wild and I don't know when that that seemed to go way into the 90s and I think there's still like a website someone always tries to like whenever something like that fails someone always like tries to make a website of it or something but it's just again it's just not the same it has its identity it has its as a physical magazine and as it tests to the physical magazine's uh, endurance and you know I'm saying like oh if you go on the internet archive it's here today gone tomorrow if you have a magazine and you stick it somewhere in your in your house or in your presence it'll just stay there day after day week after week month after month year after year decade after decade just sits there and it's always the same there's something to be said for that and for magazines Then, of course, I guess there's the concept of zines, which I, I did not consider myself a zine publisher, I, I, but I, I published more uh, what we called mini-comics back in the day, in the mid, mid-80s mini-comics. But I think that the moment that the photocopy machine became uh, available, you know, that you could not necessarily have one, even though I did have a hand-me-down one from my father, most people would go to a copy shop and pay a few cents at that time to make a few copies of pieces of paper and then you could fold it over and staple it. Eventually if you got a saddle stitch stapler you could uh, staple it properly. Otherwise you kind of had to staple it right on the edge which wasn't really that good. But people making their own magazines. It was a huge moment in history. I think it's sort of forgotten now how important that was. Of course now people can just write a post on social media and do sort of the same thing though. Everyone's doing that. Not everyone was publishing little magazines back in the past. So, uh, what another magazine we found a copy of? My father's house. I didn't keep it because I really had to be selective in terms of what I, I, I kept. It was a Life magazine from 1941. Life magazine was huge, and you, there's there still was like a company called Time Life Inc. that eventually got gobbled up by someone else. Like Time magazine, which I think is still going, and then Life, which. 
I know they tried bringing it back a few times, but I don't know. But Life, yeah, large format magazine. It's weird. The cover was in black and white, but some of the interior was in color. That was kind of weird. But they, it's like, Japan, how powerful is it really? So this is before we entered the war. You know, things were heating up. Uh, in the warfare scene in the ni- early 1940s. That was kind of uh, interesting to see. But it's, it's a big commitment to keep magazines because they're very big and bulky, and they do tend to get contaminated, as I mentioned, with these... Uh, not germs, but with the uh, this thing that smells. Is there any way to fix that? I don't know. Can you, like, heat it up? But not too much to... If you heat it up too much, it will just go... It will just catch on fire, and then the whole thing is destroyed. But I don't know if there's any way to fix that moldiness issue. PQ, do you know? I know you work in the book industry, the book used book store, so maybe. That smell, what is that smell? Yeah. But yeah, in the past, I would I would try to get like eight, one magazine I could bring with me on the trip, as sort of a companion on the trip. But uh, and a few ones I do remember being that Ed. I, m- I think we went to Toronto. I had Edge video game magazine. But at this time, yeah, no, no, no uh, magazines. And I- even in the rooms, I found well, this is that first actual hotel room. Remember, they used to have like a they used to give you like a magazine that was like a tourist thing of the town. I, I we saw that when we went to Chattanooga last year. There was like kind of a magazine like that but I think I think it's kind of fading away a few of the magazines I saw uh, were for kids I saw in Bari um, and they, they they had an entire like little it's a magazine but then it's sort of wrapped in plastic and then there's an entire like Playmobil toy in the front of it so sort of like combining a toy and a magazine and in, in Japan there's a lot of those kind of magazines where Hmm. I don't know what's going on around the corner there. Um, there's a magazine, but it also has like a handbag in it or a scarf or something or something like a bathing ape or something. Like including these like massive objects uh, in with the magazine. And of course, magazines used to have uh, s- some of them had the CDs in them, like College mu- Music Journal, CMJ used to get that one. And of course, uh, the flexi discs, the, the little flexible uh, you could, uh, discs you can play on a record player were in there. So there was a lot of stuff. Anyways, just wanted to check in on the central here. I have to continue my explorations of Rome. Uh, Denise is still resting uh, in the hotel room. I'm going to go back soon with some coffee, and we're going to head out for a day of, of Venice. Did I say Rome? I meant Venice. I'm getting, I'm getting a bit frazzled here. Venice, Venezia. Back to you, PQ. Well, I, I will tell you this. Uh, a book... Or magazine and mildew. I guess people are more apt to store magazines in a basement or a damp place than books. Or maybe the paper in certain magazines soaks up mildew for some reason more because it doesn't have that outer harder cover and it's just paper on paper. But once mildew gets into something, I don't think there's any hope. You either have to, if you can still open the pages and they don't stick together and peel and it's important to you, yeah, you can keep it and refer to it. But uh, even leaving them out in the sun, which as far as I know is the best way of getting that out, it's it never loses that dank mildew, uh, what, rancid maybe? I don't know if it's as bad as rancid. 
it's just a bad smell and we have to watch that in the book business because some people are so hypersensitive to it uh, or even like if a book has been in a home where people smoked cigarettes it's oh my god the smell of cigarettes and yeah uh, I guess as a former smoker and growing up and living surrounded by smoke, yeah, it's kind of annoying, but it's not going to kill a deal on a book. And if I ordered a used book from somewhere and it smelled a little like smoke, I'm not going to be outraged and unable to read the thing. But I under some people are more sensitive than others to different things. Believe me, I have my sensitivities that are probably wholly uh, insane to other people. We are such fragile creatures. And yeah, the magazine, as we know it, uh, going through your folk stuff, yeah, you're going to run into a lot of old paper. And people saved magazines. There was an article in it. A friend was in it. Uh, a thing they liked or were interested in at the time was covered in it. And there were pictures. Pictures used to be so precious. And now you can go online and there's billions. I mean, artists would keep these reference libraries and tear pictures out of books and magazines and keep huge organized file cabinets so if you needed to draw a bird or a, an animal or an object or a piece of furniture or a piece of machinery or a car there you would have all these references on these papers and they would dig through them and now you go online to like google image search and everything is right we live in a miraculous time and it is killing the need for such things as magazines and yeah growing up there was some there was baseball digest and i loved that thing it came out every month and went over the teams and the players and the statistics oh did i ever love statistics and especially trivia Oh, these little tiny facts that you could throw into discussions with your baseball fan friends and fill your head with such useless data like what they used to have on the baseball cards. Dusty Baker in the winter, you know, they would tell you a lot of these guys had other jobs in the wintertime because playing baseball just wasn't enough to support a family and now i mean you play for the major leagues if you're wise with your money you you can be pretty much set although who knows anymore i think in our present economy many people who strongly believed and had reason to believe they were set for life are suddenly yeah maybe not um there were music magazines both on the actual playing like musician magazines with sheet music and articles on technique and all your favorite musicians and their careers and their tips and people talking about them and record review magazines oh as stuff like cream magazine and circus which didn't last very long, but had great articles. I think I first read about the Beach Boys Smile album in this article. 
uh, in circus. And then there was one called Crawdaddy. There were just so many of them that I couldn't afford or begin to afford to buy and read them all. So I would borrow them, find them at yard sales and in secondhand stores, and just buy a stack of them and then sit gleefully for hours picking through and tearing the cool pictures out and putting them on my walls and uh, as a kid in my teens one wall of my room was always this sort of collage of pictures torn from these magazines and of course probably my favorite of all was trouser press because it covered the punk and new wave stuff and into my 20s I was like eager and waiting to grab and read these magazines and of course the science fiction magazines with the stories and novellas and serialized novels and all of these writers who I don't know did they make a living were they paid very much or did they just obsessively write and write like people like Philip K. Dick who is now a famous author and in his lifetime that guy had to take all kinds of horrible drugs work all day to make a living and then stay up all night writing these stories and novels that he was paid pennies per word for but he was driven all these guys were driven uh, Asimov he wrote his science fiction but I think he wrote well over a hundred books and most of them were science fact and like interesting trivia science books um, Ray Bradbury I think he did a little better. Arthur C. Clarke wound up moving to like Ceylon or some uh, foreign country to, and I guess once you had films made of your stories, you were set. But there were so many authors like Philip Jose Farmer, Harry Harrison, Murray Leinster, Andre Norton, who just wrote so many books Clifford D. Simak these are all right off the top of my head authors who said Robert Silverberg oh he used to write the coolest and weirdest he seemed to specialize in time travel and uh, paradoxes in time travel stories and novels oh it was a golden age of naive science fiction and that's the stuff I love I mean now it's way too focused in fact and then there was Omni which lasted a number of years which tried to be a slick uh, science fiction magazine with the glossy photo photos and illustrations not that cheap pulpy newspaper because you know those science fiction magazines were the legacy of the old story magazines of the turn of the last century which started with things like Argosy all story um mcclure's there were these magazines that every month and some of them even weekly would just endless stories and in england there were all these british uh story magazines for young people both for young girls and young men and uh, just a few years ago i was reading all these uh, it, these kids going to boarding schools and having these crazy adventures and Billy Bunter what was it the Greyfriars stories which there's probably because they came out weekly nearly a thousand of them in that there's an archive I think on comics plus uh, dot com up there free 
because these things fell into the public domain and some people still collect them and all these adventure stories and uh, mystery and detective stories and western stories the story magazine was such a staple of people's lives especially i mean comic books sort of evolved out of that it was a simplified maybe for kids maybe for people who like pictures better than stories but famous characters like the shadow doc savage all had their own and and their knockoffs the spider g8 and his flying aces just incredible ongoing series of stories about these larger than life characters and detectives nick adams sexton blake who was kind of a poor man's sherlock holmes and even the sherlock holmes stories originally were published in story magazines it was just such a wonderful time for people who read and love stories but that that, that radio kind of killed some of it tv killed more and now like frank said the internet it, magazines were the internet before there was internet all these different topics and contained in these packages with illustrations sometimes although a lot of magazines weren't so illustration heavy and and then of course for stories um one of the best and some of the best writing of its day were in the old new yorker magazine uh, jd salinger f scott fitzgerald all of these great writers i think faulkner uh these people were in magazines and people bought them and i don't know do i not I, it's easy to say that people don't read anymore but you can't be on the internet without reading I don't know if the literacy rate has gone up or down because even kids you can't really use the internet unless you can read and even type a little so perhaps in some weird way literacy is being sustained by the internet it's an interesting thing to think about and magazines like famous monsters of Filmland, where i could read all about my favorite monsters that i would watch every friday and saturday night on creature feature and thriller and chiller theater and all of these tv movie and and the ones that the silent films which Perhaps my interest in silent films stems from things like the original Phantom of the Opera with Lon Chaney, the man of a thousand faces. Oh, man. And then there were the humor magazines like Mad, Cracked, and Sick. And then when I got a little older, there was the National Lampoon, which those are still so great. The humor writing, the satire, this... It's just brilliant stuff that there's no place you can find it anymore. Um, and yeah, your crossword puzzle and game magazines. I think you can still get crossword puzzle magazines. That's kind of a, I don't know, there's an audience for the word search magazines. It, 
<laughs> word search magazines. And then, of course, uh, as a young man, your education might come from things like Playboy, and then later Penthouse, which was a little spicier. And then things got crazy with things like Hustler, and uh, what, things like High Society. Uh, God, the magazine was just an amazing thing. And yet, yeah, if you have, and you just missed out because it was Labor Day and you were busy, by all means, do a follow-up and join us next week. And uh, let me uh, get, let's get into next week's Overnightscape Central because you should ought to participate. I mean, this was a short one, so maybe you haven't listened to the Overnightscape Central and you said, oh, this one's only, why, it's less than an hour. Let's check this out. And now here's your opportunity to join the gang and be part of this amazing group of uh, babbling brooks of uh, trivialists, uh, monologists, wannabe gene shepherds here at onsug.com. And next week on the Overnightscape Central, the topic will be jazz. Yeah, uh, Shambles was calling himself Arthur Jazz for a little while, but uh, a style of music that covers a lot of ground. There's all kinds of jazz, and it has influenced all sorts of popular music all through the 20th and into the 21st century. And yes, we're going to jazz it up here on the Overnightscape Central. And uh, you can do a follow-up on any topic, and certainly uh, magazines having been this one and maybe you missed out by all means talk about magazines talk about jazz magazines because there were and maybe still are jazz magazines and uh, here's how it works you have until officially September 11th 2023 in the evening time to get me your audio file or you can type something up and I'm always happy to read some content that you've created on your behalf if you're mic shy or you're around where there's a lot of noise or it's just too much it, it's just not something you can wrap your head head around or voice around uh, be part of the magic the email address is kpqr.torc at gmail.com and again that's a September 11th evening time is a deadline if you get it in later we just kick it to the next show there's no dead deadline for these participations and We'd really love to hear from you, all of us. I'd love to hear from you, and that all the other, you'd love to hear from you. And you can tell all your friends, and we can grow this community. Although, like magazines, I think the podcast thing, which is sort of like an audio magazine, may have reached some sort of bizarre saturation point. I'm obsessed. I'm going to keep doing this for the time being. Who knows, maybe one day I'll wake up and say, okay, I'm done. But for now, until somebody is, anybody want to take the mantle of host of the Overnightscape Central? I think I, a couple of weeks ago, I was saying if there's somebody interested in doing what I do here, uh, it would be interesting. I mean, when Jimbo did it, it became Jimbo's thing. But I'm, I'm now driveling along and taking up time. Um, thank you, Frank, for taking the time all the way in Italy, and yeah, that archive.org, the, the magazine rack, I think it's called. You don't even need paper magazines anymore. There are so many 
magazines from the past and these story magazines that I was talking about and so much more every the gaming magazines the computing magazines and it's vast archive.org while it lasts I mean they talk about running out of funding and Lord only knows how much server space they take up there it's a miracle it's one of the great things and I hope it lasts forever but who knows you never know what's gonna happen in the future and uh, with that the email address once more write it down record something write something be part of the magic kpqr.torc at gmail.com and with that a, a much shorter than usual overnight scape central hopefully next time you'll be here one way or another even if you just listen believe me as the appreciator you are deeply appreciated you make what we do live and that's really a magical thing and until the next time we meet set the controls for the heart of the fun would you please <laughs>